Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, could the push for an anti-corruption committee lead to a snap election? I invite them to join us in, the, in this effort to create, let's create this special committee where we can look at all the, the, the pandemic spendings in a responsible way. There are calls for more clarity from the government in the Nova Scotia fishery dispute. All of us have to understand and we need to respond in a way uh, that is respecting the law. Uh, attempting to take the law in our own hands is only going to continue to uh, deepen wounds. And will the Canadian government bail out the airline industry? It's been you know, hardest hit by the pandemic and lost so much of its business. Has been waiting months and months now uh, for some sort of government actions or some sort of government relief. The government argues that, look, we've, we've done lots of stuff that's benefited airlines, the wage subsidy, different programs that they've been able to avail themselves of. It's Monday, October 19th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. So the House of Commons resumes this week, and of course there will be lots of questions about some of the themes we've been talking about for some time. Uh, let's start with the WE scandal uh, and the possibility as well that there could be a confidence vote and the triggering of a, an immediate election in Canada. I know people have been saying the likelihood of that is low, but as we start a new cycle here with the resumption of Parliament after a week off for Thanksgiving, what do you expect to see? Yeah, I mean, here we are talking about uh, the possibility of a snap election again. We haven't talked about it for uh, three weeks or so and the, since the government survived the last confidence vote. But, you know, in a minority parliament, there's always going to be a possible trigger. The government can make anything it wants a, a confidence issue. And this time, uh, you know, the government hasn't said one way or the other. The, the government House leader, Pablo Rodriguez, is the minister taking the lead on this, and he was pressed a number of times last week about whether he would make... Uh, the formation of a, a, a you know a corruption committee, which the opposition parties want, uh, a special committee to look at corruption slash you know focus we um, whether he would make the creation of that committee and a vote on that motion uh, a confidence issue and uh, wouldn't commit one way or the other. So the conservatives, uh, you know, have, have left themselves the option as an opposition day Tuesday of making this the issue, that they would put a motion before the House to create this uh, corruption uh, committee, a committee to investigate corruption uh, made up of opposition and government MPs, but uh, the opposition parties would chair it and have mo most uh, have the majority of members on it. And the government response to that has been, look, we don't mind the idea of a big committee to look at COVID issues in, and how the government has handled the pandemic and programs and spending, but they don't want it to have anything to do with the WE controversy. So this is, you know, leaves open the possibility that at some point the government as leader could actually come out and fully declare, okay, this is a confidence issue. So if opposition parties, you know, vote to form this committee, uh, the government will make that a confident. We will view that as a lack of confidence in the direction of the government, and we would go to the governor general and ask for an election. So, you know, I'm not, sh you know, I think the odds are long that that's going to happen, that there'll be some sort of a negotiation to come to some sort of arrangement to avoid a snap election, uh, to have some sort of uh, investigation, uh, continuing investigation, you know, perhaps in, into uh, the weak controversy. But, you know, it is possible. Uh, things can head down a road and once, it's, once they've gone a certain distance down the road, sometimes it's hard to come back. 
Is there risk in the opposition trying to keep the we scandal alive? Because the government is pushing back by saying, look, this isn't what Canadians want to talk about right now. There's a pandemic going on, a second wave. There are other priorities. That's what we're focused on. Is there a chance that it could backfire on the Conservatives in particular? Yeah, I think there's always a chance. The, I mean, if you look at the the sort of dueling narratives, here's where the parties are, are coming from. I mean, if we look at conservatives and liberals, conservatives are saying, look, we, you know, we've we've, uh, you know, largely been sort of on side with you know, the government rolling out relief efforts for COVID-19. You know, we've had criticism of the way some programs were handled here and there, but. You know, by and large, that opposition has been muted. But, you know, we're eight months into it now, and, and opposition parties are looking for other reasons uh, to take on the government. They can't just, you know, uh, stand on the sidelines and say, here we are over here, and the government's doing a great job. We have nothing else to talk about. And when you talk to conservatives, they say, look, the government is really digging in its heels on, on the we controversy stuff. What is it they don't want us to get at? So, they're, you know, you've had two two committees last week with liberals filibustering efforts by those committees to reopen the, uh, the committee investigation, which had started, Mark, let's not forget that, it started before Parliament had prorogued, the Prime Minister prorogued Parliament. Uh, to deliver a speech from the throne that shut everything down. Now they want to try and start it back up. Liberals are filibustering it. On the other hand, the liberals are saying, you know, look, where does this investigation, if you think there's more to it, let's get to the business of COVID-19 and, and trying to help Canadians and deal with the other serious issues. The ethics commissioner has already launched investigations into the weak controversy and the actions of the government, the prime minister, and so on. Let's leave the investigation there. Uh, why tie up committee work? Uh, with a probe of uh, a continuing probe of uh, you know the the we controversy and the government's position is look the the opposition parties just you know think there's something here uh, they want to create a narrative for Canadians that something bad happened and they want to just keep hammering the government with it week after week after week well yeah that's exactly what they want to do uh, but the bottom line is they're not sure what else might be there and the liberals say look leave it to the ethics commissioner that's where it belongs. All right, let's turn to another issue that the government will face questions about, and that is the handling of the fisheries dispute in Atlantic Canada. The Premier of Nova Scotia, Stephen McNeil, was asking for more clarity from the government on the weekend. How do you see this storyline unfolding in the days ahead? With lots more questions. I mean, everybody's asking for clarity, and they've been asking for clarity for, you know, 21 years since the Supreme Court marshaled decision uh, that granted... Uh, granted the right uh, to indigenous fishers to make what's called a you know a moderate livelihood uh, off the sea let's look at what's happened since uh, you know uh, uh, you know indigenous fishers on the east coast you know brought in somewhere around three million dollars in the year 2000 from fishing that's up over 150 million dollars now so it, it's been growing. There are, you know, it went from very few Indigenous people employed in, in the fishery uh, in Atlantic Canada to now it's somewhere around 1,600 and many more direct jobs uh, in Indigenous communities, you know, spun off from that. So there's a lot at stake here. And this, that's the, the pivotal question is what does a moderate livelihood mean? The court didn't decide that in 1999. Governments haven't been able to define it. And 
or have not come to define it yet. And that's sort of where we are. That's the point in the road where we're at now, Mark. Someone needs to define that to the satisfaction of, of everybody involved. Uh, the, you know, the, uh, the ranking Indigenous and spokesperson chief, um, uh, my chief in the area, said, look, you know, starting point is, you know, let's look at average Nova Scotia incomes for adults and let's start there as a, as a, as a moderate livelihood. Uh, others disagree. There are challenges from, you know, commercial fishers who say, look, this is going to deplete the stock. But a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of marine biologists say that not true. Uh, the impact of indigenous fishing isn't enough to threaten the lobster stocks. So it's a it, it's a big issue. It's come to a boiling point, And I don't think the boiling I don't think it comes off boil until uh, there's a conversation around defining what moderate livelihood means to everybody's satisfaction, underscoring that. You know, the people really need to be satisfied because they have a treaty right going back to the 1700s to be allowed to uh, allowed to fish and fi- fish lobster stocks and other stocks is indigenous people. The Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia first have to be satisfied with whatever, you know, the description of a moderate livelihood is. They're happy with it. That's where it has to go. All right. Finally, Peter, let's talk a little bit about whether or not the government is going to bail out the airline industry. And if so, how? Dominic LeBlanc. The, internet, the Intergovernmental Affairs Minister was speaking uh, to the media on the weekend and confirmed the possibility of the government taking a stake in some of Canada's airlines, which obviously have been hard hit by the economic rav- uh, ramifications of the coronavirus pandemic and the shutdown on travel. Um, do you think it's likely that the government will be uh, will put money into the airline industry? And I guess some would ask why they haven't done so already. I think that's the big question. The airline industry is one of those uh, hard-hit, targeted industries that that's been, you know, when I say targeted, I mean it's been, you know, hardest hit by the pandemic and lost so much of its business. Has been waiting months and months now uh, for some sort of uh, government actions or some sort of government relief. The government argues that look, we've we've done lots of stuff that's benefited airlines, the wage subsidy. Uh, different programs that they've been able to avail themselves of. But, uh, you know, other countries, other G7 countries have actually taken a a direct stake uh, in airline companies for, you know, a very important reason that they're crucial to the the relaunch of an economy. When when the pandemic does ease and we manage to commit the other side of this, uh, people are going to be looking to airlines to reopen economies and get people back and forth across the country. And I think the pivotal point here in the last couple of weeks, Mark, was, you know, Recently, when WestJet said, okay, we're cutting routes to Atlantic Canada, uh, when that starts to happen, it, it's sort of hard to get all that retooled when, when it's time to start up again. Um, you know, a lot of these routes are just not profitable. They're, they're provided as a service. So, you know, it, the argument from some of the airline companies is if you want us to be there, you know, ready to kick this back into gear when the time comes, you, you need to provide us. You need to provide some kind of investment to us that allows us to ramp up quickly when the time comes. Otherwise, what's the incentive for us as the economy reopens to to light up a bunch of unprofitable routes? All right, we'll see what happens. Many different storylines playing out as we start another week in Canadian politics. Peter, thank you. All right, Mark, good to talk to you again. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Right from day one, we've been working with all orders of government to keep people safe. And during this second wave, That's exactly what we'll continue to do. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Chantal Hébert argues we shouldn't hold our breath as the government makes big promises. Hébert writes, 
It's impossible for Canadians to assess the credibility of the Liberal post-pandemic plan without some accounting to support it. This is a government that has exhibited a noticeable attraction for the latest bright, shiny policy object. That would in itself not be a major flaw if it were matched with an equivalent zeal for undertaking the heavy lifting involved in walking the walk of the government's talk rather than with a short attention span. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues, we should advocate for evidence-based rules. The Sun writes, we are all living under some version of COVID-19 restrictions that tell us what we can and can't do. Some make sense, but the goal shouldn't be a blanket ban on any group gatherings for the foreseeable future. The goal should be to find creative ways to responsibly resume the activities we love. Canadians should be advocating for evidence-based rules and feel empowered to engage with their elected officials if the rules don't make sense to them. At Policy Magazine, Don Newman argues the grand old party has sold out America. Newman writes, Whatever the final outcome of the vote, the Republican Party will be the loser, continuing a losing streak that began in 2015 when Donald Trump began running for the party's presidential nomination, spewing the most hateful venom that anyone had heard in an election campaign in years. He is the first incumbent in American history to threaten the peaceful transfer of presidential power. He would not be in a position to do so without his enablers in the Republican Party. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we discussed, the Conservatives are continuing their push this week to set up a new anti-corruption committee of the House of Commons. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, on Tuesday, the Conservatives are supposed to have an opposition day, which has the House of Commons debating and voting on an opposition motion. The Tories have three motions that could be debated. Two of them deal with China, but the one they'll probably go with is the motion calling on the House to set up a new special anti-corruption committee, which would take over the investigations into the government's links to the WE charity. Now, the first question is whether the Trudeau government will change the parliamentary schedule and bump Tuesday's opposition day into the future. The government can do that procedurally. The other question is there is a liberal counter-initiative on the table proposing a committee not to look into the We Charity per se and the now-scrapped summer youth grant program, but to look into all of the government spending on COVID-19 programs. The Liberal government is hoping that that committee would garner the support of the New Democrats and possibly diffuse an all-party move towards this new anti-corruption committee. All three of the major opposition parties would have to vote for the Conservatives' anti-corruption committee proposal for it to go forward. The other issue to watch for is whether the Liberal government would make the vote on that motion creating the anti-corruption committee a vote of non-confidence in the government. That's sort of like a nuclear option. That, of course, would raise the stakes and it would make the whole matter a trigger for an election. So, Mark, procedural maneuvering, battling committee proposals and possible brinksmanship on an election, all things to watch for in the coming weeks. Thanks, Martin. Also coming up today, the Prime Minister will start the day with private meetings before chairing the Cabinet meeting. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, October 19th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.